Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. And so I want to read from um, First Thessalonians chapter 1 and uh, verse 3. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3. It says, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you for your word today, God. We thank you for your presence. God, we just ask your blessing upon this message, God, and upon all the mothers today. In Jesus' name, amen. So with Mother's Day, this verse that we just read, this is um, from Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. And so I thought it would be, I know it's not talking about moms, but I thought it would be fitting with it being Mother's Day to, to use this verse to reference how amazing moms are and uh, how powerful uh, your ministry is. And sometimes when it, when it comes to it, I'm, I'm praying and I'm thanking God for my mom. And, uh, and I'll think about uh, certain things about her. I'll think about uh, her faithful work and her uh, loving deeds. It's funny sometimes your parents can do this big extravagant thing for you when you're a kid and you won't remember it. And then they can do like the smallest gesture and you'll never forget it. Well, one of the things that my mom, uh, so I know some of you are, are younger than me some of you are not but some of you are a lot younger than me and uh, you might not remember when uh, getting to use the microwave was a big deal it was a big deal when I was probably about six years old and I didn't want to wait on mom I wanted to do it myself and this I don't know why I'll never forget this because all the other nice stuff she did sometimes I just remember when she wasn't mean to me more than I do when she was nice to me I don't know why but I wouldn't wait on mom, and I dumped a whole can of SpaghettiOs in the middle of her kitchen floor. And she didn't get mad at me. She started laughing. And I don't know why. I just, you just think of certain things that your parents do or don't do. And then I can think of, if I, I have to really think about all these, these huge things that her and dad both sacrificed for for me. And the thing I always think about at least several times a year is mom and those SpaghettiOs. I don't know. I don't know why. But she, is, she had her loving deeds, all that she did, her, her enduring hope and her faith in the Lord Jesus and what she means to the family. And one thing this world's in desperate need of is godly mothers. And you look around and you see, and people can give their reasons why they think this is bad and that is bad. And, and I agree with a lot of those reasons. But when you look around, moms just don't seem to be the same. They don't seem to... Uh, they seem to be joining in with the foolishness of their kids instead of telling their kids they're acting like fools. And it seems to happen more and more, and, and sometimes the mom's leading the way. We need godly mothers again, not just in the world, but in the church. We need it. 
Mothers have a way of bringing people together. And when most, I'm not going to try and act like I've got everything figured out. I don't have this great big plan or program that I know is so efficient. But a lot of churches have become a neighborhood without ever being a brotherhood. There's not that family unit. And I think a big reason of it is there's not that mother influence that there, that there once was uh, in the church. So when we see church people, we see each other, we smile and we wave like neighbors, but there's never really concern and compassion with one another like a family. And when we went uh, Tuesday to Kinley for the, for the prayer uh, conference, and they had the, the team of 10 people from Korea there. And uh, by the way, they sent 400 people, 40 teams of 10 all over the country uh, to pray for America um, because of marking the 50-year anniversary of the Billy Graham revival over there. But when they started praying, I was feeling convicted. They were praying prayers for our country that I haven't been praying they were praying prayers for our schools and our churches and our children and our families. And they, were, they had to seem to have more concern and compassion than we do for our own country and for the generations coming after us. And so moms bring people uh, together. And, and when I say that about I'm not just talking about individual churches. I'm talking about the church body as a whole. Where's the compassion and the concern for the lost, for the hurting, for the down and out? For the broken. And see, that's why moms are so important. They bring people together and they have a powerful uh, influence. My uh, grandma, she was, a, she was a powerful woman and she, um, she never even really talked loud. But she had 10 children and so she had a, they had a family reunion at her house every year. Her house was, it was barely over a thousand square feet had one small bathroom in it, and there would be two or three hundred people, easy, at these reunions. And so we had to set tarps up outside for people to sit in there because you couldn't sit in the house. It wasn't not possible. But everybody would come and everybody would spend time with her, and she would hardly ever even come outside because she liked the air conditioner, so she wasn't going to leave. But people just seemed to keep, would flock to her. And when she passed away, they tried, to, well, I think they still might have the reunions, but not as many people, they, it's not the same. Because, see, it was that mother figure that brought everyone together. She was that way with uh, all kinds of people. They would just stop in and see her. And uh, she taught Sunday school. I was in her class. I do not remember her being a very good teacher, if I'm just being honest. I don't, I, in fact, I, don't, I really don't think she was that good of a teacher. But if you hear other people that were in her class, they'll talk about her class. And they'll talk about uh, when I was in Sister Kennedy's class, and that was such a good Sunday school class. And I'm thinking, what class were you in? <laughs> it was not her teaching ability. They knew she loved them with the love of a mother. And it makes a difference. She had one guy in that class uh, that went through that class. And about the time he got out of that class, he got into a lifestyle of selling drugs. He was always a troublemaker. He was kind of not a nice guy. And he, uh, um, I, he was actually pretty successful selling drugs, though, if you, if, if you want to say that. And uh, people were afraid of this guy. And my grandma, they, she, some people decided to get together and pour her a concrete driveway. And uh, they are doing it for free. And this guy, years after... Uh, being in her class and being known as a troublemaker and a guy you did not want to run into, he's riding by and sees them doing it, 
and pulls over off the road and comes over and says, isn't this Sister Kennedy's house? And the guy said, yeah. He said, can I help? And helped him pour my grandma's concrete driveway and didn't tell anybody. And the guys came in and they said his name. They said, hey, do you know so-and-so? And she said, yeah, I used to teach him in Sunday school. She said, he said well, he just helped us for hours out here finishing, this, finishing your driveway. He never went inside and said hey to her. He just did it and he left. Uh, he ended up uh, passing away in a car accident. And uh, when he was in the wreck, they, they asked him, uh, hey, when we try to get you out of this, it might not go well. Are you ready? He said, no, give me a minute. He made things right with the Lord and ended up passing away in that accident. And I got to tell his mother that story um, uh, after he had passed away. She had no clue. He hadn't said a word to her. He didn't do it for recognition. He didn't do it for money. He did it for the love of a mother. Mothers are powerful. They're important, the influence that they have on people's lives. And it doesn't matter whether you've physically given birth or not. You're a spiritual mother. You have influence on people. She was barely five feet tall, but she was very, one powerful woman. And she was powerful because of the godly influence on her children and other people. And I'm thankful today for the influence that she had on, on my life. And uh, I'm thankful for my mom who acts a lot like her. Except my mom's not as quiet as she was. <laughs> I'm thankful for the godly wife that God has given me to be a mother to our children and, and be just so amazing every day. Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Napoleon said, The future destiny of the child is always the work of the mother. Let France have good mothers and she will have good sons. John Quincy Adams said, all that I am, my mother made me. See, if we had more Christian mothers, then we would have less problems. We'd have less delinquency, less immorality, less ungodliness. Lord Shaftesbury said, Give me a generation of Christian mothers, and I will undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. See, moms have an important job. It's not an easy job. As parents and as grandparents or future parents, future grandparents... We all share the tremendous responsibility of the ministry called parenthood. It's important. And it costs a lot. It costs a real whole lot sometimes. Being a parent, you have to sacrifice money, time, uh, some of us hair, whether it turns gray or like it turns loose, whatever, whichever way it goes, because it's stressful. In the year 2000, it was estimated that the average middle income, now not, not people with a lot of money, not rich people, the middle income family would spend $160,140 to raise a kid. That figure today is around $300,000, between two seventy-five dollars and $300,000 per kid. And that's from birth to age 17. Doesn't count college. Doesn't count a wedding or anything like that. None of that, none of that counts. For those of you that have had a bunch of girls, just to 17, $300,000. It literally costs a lot to be a parent. But see, there's more than the financial cost in involved because parents must make an emotional, spiritual, moral investment in their children as well if they want to see them succeed. And see, God's purpose in parenting is to raise up another godly generation, and mothers play a very important part in that process of parenting. Women play a unique role in the family, in the church, and in society. Or at least they, they should. And see, the greatest job in the world, it's, 
It's not the work of a politician. It's not the work of a businessman. It's not the work of an educator. It's not even the work of a minister. The greatest job in the world is the ministry of being a godly parent who raises their children and trains them in the instruction of the Lord. It's the most important job that there is. And now I know moms, especially when I see how it is for Heather and all that she has to do, all that she does, it seems like your job is never done. It seems like it's never going to end. <laughs> it's, it's stressful. And you maybe even have said to yourself, I didn't sign up for all of this. But God's with you. You're going to be okay. Mom's, being a mom's hard work. There's a story of a little boy looking at parent, uh, his parents' wedding album. And his dad's trying to explain to him what happened and everything on the special day. After a few minutes, the boy's face lights up like he's figured it out. And he says, oh, I got it now, Dad. This is the day that Mom came to work for us. <laughs> and that's what it feels like at times. Because <laughs> it's difficult and it's hard. But it's worth it. See, sometimes as a mom, sometimes as a parent, it feels like a lot of work. Parenthood may be the greatest job that we could ever have, but it's also one of the hardest jobs we're ever going to have. So how do we succeed in parenting? How do we... How do we raise uh, positive kids in such a negative world with all the things that they face and all the things that are coming after them? And so I'm going to look back at 1 Thessalonians again, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, parenting is a work of faith. We need to teach our children to have faith in God. We don't need to try to force our children to believe in God. We need to teach them about God. We need to teach them and we need to model our faith before them so that they will trust in the Lord for themselves. It becomes their God, not just the God of their father or their grandfather, their mother, their grandmother. It becomes their God. See, Jesus has commissioned us to make disciples of all nations, and that commission starts in the home, and it's based on the principle of teaching them. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's teaching them, and, it, and faith starts at the home. See, as we teach our children about, about God and the Lord Jesus, then they'll, they'll learn to believe God's Word. They'll learn to trust in Him. And see, not only do we teach our children, but we need to share our faith with our children. Tell them about our experiences with God. Tell them about our relationship with God. Tell them how we, be, how we became a child of God and that all that he's, he's done for us. My parents still share their faith with me and my sisters to this day. They tell me about things that the Lord is, has done and the, the Lord is doing and revealing to them in their lives. And it's empowered all of us. It's impacted our lives greatly simply by them sharing their faith and their testimonies with us. And see, that's what it's all about. That's what we should be doing with our kids. And we should teach them to have faith in God and we should share our faith with them. Parenting is also a labor of love. The deepest emotional need we all have is the need to be loved and the need to love others. Psychological, emotional, and spiritual health requires that we receive and give love. 
Mother Teresa said, the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted. And we've probably all felt that before. Even if it wasn't warranted, we still sometimes our emotions go a little wild on us and we've had this feeling of being unwanted. It's not a good way to, to feel. Um, years ago, so for those of you who don't know, I gave my parents a fit from about uh, before I turned 19. So somewhere in my, when I was 18 till I was 21, I, I, uh, uh, I kind of rebelled and drove my parents crazy. And so uh, during this time, um, probably around right before I turned 20, I, I just said, I'm not doing any of this stuff anymore. I, didn't, I, didn't, I quit going to church. I uh, quit listening to anything they said, really. Uh, I wasn't disrespectful. I would tell them I wasn't going to do it. Uh, so I was kind of like a, the bad kid in a nice way, I guess you would say. And uh, I, I, so I started hanging out and, uh, uh, with people and just going against everything they had taught me, in a, in a way. Not really, I still was probably, I, I used to tell my parents, I'm still better than most of the kids sitting in church. I'm just not going. But I moved out. And that's part of the reason I moved out, because I didn't want to uh, have to follow their rules. And, um, you know, I was going to do everything my way. And, uh, you know, it, don't, it doesn't take long to find out that you're wrong, but I, 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 I had to find out. And so now I'm about uh, 20, and uh, I've moved out. And I did, even though I only lived a couple miles from my mom and dad, I didn't ever go by there for, for a few months. I just hardly ever stopped in. I started going back when I ran out of money. So, and some of y'all have done the same thing. So I swing in one day to see my mom and dad, and it's right after Easter. And I can't remember if Roger was born yet or not, but Michelle and Monty were married, of course. Jill wasn't, so I get there, and my mom and dad were talking, and I look, and there's this picture right there on the bookshelf in the living room, and it's the whole family. They're all dressed up. I mean, they look good. And I said, uh, oh, man, that's a... That's a nice picture. When did y'all get that made? And my mom says, she's like, oh, well, that's from Easter. And uh, she said, we just decided to get together and take a family pic. And she got to pick. And she realized what she was saying. And I was just setting her up. I was waiting. I said, wait a second. Let me get this straight. You decided to get the family together and take a family picture, and you didn't call your only son? I only live two miles down the road, Mom. And she said, well, no, it was just, uh, 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 you know, how they start going. She's all over the place stuttering, and my dad's laughing. And I'm just, and I, I just keep on riding mom. I was like, I'm your only son, and you're going to take a family picture without me. Didn't even call me to see if I was busy. I said, but it sure is a pretty picture, mom. I'm just giving her a hard time. And so she's worried that I'm upset, which I was not. But... Um, a day or two goes by, and I get a phone call from my mom, and she says, hey, me and your dad need you to come by the house. we got to talk to you about something. And so I show up at the house, and as soon as I open the back door, uh, I'm, I'm starting to laugh. My mom has went through the whole house, and every picture in the house, she's put a picture of me on top of it. Even the beautiful family family picture without me. There's a picture of me on top of it, which had to take a lot of work because uh, I didn't like taking pictures. So there wasn't very many pictures of me to go around, but she had pictures everywhere. 
I told her that that's the best her house has ever looked, that she, uh, the decorating she had ever done. But, but she wanted to make sure that I felt wanted. She didn't want to take, even though I told her I was, I was fine, and I was, I, it didn't bother me at all. I understood. I get it. And uh, I thought it was funny. But she wanted to make sure that there was no feeling of being unwanted there for me. And she wanted to get me back for picking on her too, I'm sure. But we need to know that we're wanted. We need to know, people need to know that they're loved by God, they're loved by others. And that starts in the home. There's no better place for it to start than, than as parents for our kids to know how wanted that they are. Our children also need a nurturing love. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 7 it says, and as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. See, as parents, we need to be gentle like a mother caring for her little children. We need to be careful when it comes to our kids. Our children also need unconditional love. See, children don't do well under the pressure to perform for love. It's not going to end well. See, it's, it's easy for them to get this idea that that they're loved or they're loved more for how they perform, for, for what they do. And uh, some people find it hard to believe when they would talk to me about Hannah and Stephen with sports that we never made our kids play sports. As competitive as I am and the way we are about coaching and things like that, we never made them play. In fact, Stephen, he played one year t-ball, one year karate, one year of uh, flag football, one year of wrestling, I didn't, know if he, I didn't know if he's ever going to find a sport he liked. But we didn't ever make him play. We, he finished the season, that whatever season he started, he finished. But it was, then he went on to like basketball and then volleyball and Hannah with volleyball. But people would just assume because of the sports I played that I made the kids play. And we never did. And we would tell them and say, we don't care if you ever play. We don't care if you're the best or not. Oh, it's not going to change. How you play doesn't change anything about the way we feel about you. Because we also had a talk with both of them when they decided to play sports. I'd say, okay, now do you want to just play for fun or do you want to be the best player you can be? Do you want to, basically, do you want to hear from me or not? They both chose to hear from me and they both regretted it later, but they chose that. They said, oh, we want to be the best we can be. And so I would, I would give them instruction and I would tell them even then, if one of them did have a bad game and said, hey, this is what happened, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter to me. You don't have to play this game if you don't want to. But growing up, I saw how it was for other kids that it did matter how they played the game. Everybody wants to have a good game. Everybody wants to be the star on the team. But I knew, I knew that if I didn't play well, it didn't change anything with my mom and dad. I was confident and comfortable in that. I never had to perform for either one of them. But I had friends on the team that you could just see it on their face. How they played was going to determine how they were treated on the way home and what was said and what was done. You could see it affecting them uh, in the game. See, many times children, will even, they'll compete with each other for a parent's love if there's not that security of knowing that they're loved and knowing that they're wanted. They'll envy each other when they think that one's loved more than the other or they don't, uh, something with the relationship. But unconditional love should be without limits. Unconditional love empowers the child to be what God created them to be and not to have to be something else just to compete for the love of a parent. Not only do our children need nurturing love and unconditional love, but they also need tough love. My mom believed in all three. She didn't mind 
given the tough love either, did you, Mom? Really, she was not bad at all. She always, after service, she says, why do you make me out to be like I was a so rough? She wasn't rough. It just, I just like aggravating people for some reason. And she's, my mom's always been a lot easier than my dad when it comes to that. But, sorry, Mom. See, just as, just like God disciplines us in his love, we need to do the same with our children. But it needs to be done in love. We need to set boundaries. We need to punish when it's necessary. We need to teach our children so they will grow up with spiritual and moral guidelines and maturity that will keep them safe and make them prosperous in all that they do. And finally, parenting requires endurance inspired by hope. One person said that endurance is the ability to stick with one's goals, to persevere through adversity, to bounce back from disappointment, to have hope against all hope, and to keep on keeping on. It makes me think about moms, all the moms that have prayed so many hours and prayed for so long for their children. I think about all the mothers that have wept when their children left home because they knew that their children were away from God. They, they knew they were away from God and they knew that they were going to go places they shouldn't be going and do things that they shouldn't be doing. But still, they are always there for their children, even though they're often taken for granted maybe even mistreated by their, by their children. I had a, uh, my aunt, and I'm sorry if I'm telling a lot of stories today, but my aunt, uh, I had a cousin, maybe everyone in here probably has had some way your family's been affected by drugs or, and drug abuse. Um, and uh, our family's no different. We've got uh, some uh, different ones in the family that, that struggle and have issues. And, and uh, this cousin that I had, he... He kept his problem hidden for a long time. And uh, then when it was exposed through uh, a job and some health issues, and my aunt come to find out he had a really bad drug problem. And he was having issues with his heart from it and all kinds of stuff. He was so bad on that when they took him to the heart doctor, he just told the doctor he wasn't going to stop, even though the doctor told him it was going to kill him. And so he would come home, and she would basically nurse him to health, fatten him up a little bit, and then he'd get gone. And he would be gone sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a few days, and uh, she would be worried about him, and then he would come back in the process. Some of you have been through the process over and over again. And, uh, and so she started investigating, trying to figure out where he was at. And so she found out the street that he was on and later found out the house, but first she found out the street, and and this was a pretty rough area because um, I had worked in that area before and uh, was trying to find a street that had the same name as this street. Luckily, I was going to a better neighborhood than this one, but I went in, I think I was about 18 or 19, and I asked the lady at a quick stop because we didn't have GPS back then, so I had to go in and ask her. I said, I can't find this road, and she said, uh, you, you, she's like, you can't go to that street. She says, they'll eat you alive over there. I said, Maybe I got to go. I got a job to do. She said, don't go, honey. Please don't go. Please don't go. I'm not telling you where the street's at. She wouldn't tell me. So I kept begging her. She finally told me. She said, but if you see anything sketchy, just keep driving. And luckily, it was, <laughs> it was a different street. I couldn't find the address. And, and so I knew the area that he was going to. And uh, my aunt starts going over there. And uh, 
she says, uh, she says what starts to happen as she finds out where the house is at, every time she goes to the house, they have him waiting at the road. They had some kind of lookout system going on over there, and they knew she was going to be there before she ever got there and would have him standing there waiting on her so that she wouldn't come to the house. And so she would beg him to come home. He wouldn't come home, and so she started bringing him uh, McDonald's. And, but this is the type of mother that she was. Even with all the disappointment, frustration, heartache that she was feeling, she kept bringing him food. And not only did she bring him food, but they started letting her pull the van in closer to the house. And so she started bringing bags of cheeseburgers and fries to all the drug addicts that were there at the house with no one looking out for them, where their parents had given up on them. And she would bring them bags of food and she would feed all of them. And, and she said all of them called her Miss Davis and were very respectful and said thank you and all this stuff and she just kept going back and kept going going back and many times I would say I don't know how she keeps doing this or why she keeps doing this why does she he's just going to do this again he's just going to keep messing up but see I do know how and I do know why the reason was she was able to keep going. The reason she was willing to keep going and doing these things was the endurance of a mother, inspired by hope in Jesus Christ. And uh, he ended up, he got cleaned up one time and was doing really well and then went back and she got a phone call and he, she had to go and uh, they had, uh, he had gone into cardiac arrest over there and uh, they had taken his cell phone. They had taken everything so nothing could, before they'd call the ambulance, so nothing could trace them, could get them in trouble, I guess. And I got to the hospital, and my aunt was there with him, and she's all upset. And the Lord just kind of worked everything out for her. And my, I had another cousin there who was helping her with the doctors and, situ and decisions to be made and situations. And, and he's just laying there. And uh, he hasn't spoken. He hasn't moved. He hasn't done anything. He's just there. And uh, so the doctors and all have left the room, and, uh, and uh, she's crying and telling me she just doesn't know what to do. And so I just grabbed him by the hand, and I said, uh, uh, I said his name was Tony. I said, Tony, I said, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I'm going to talk to you like you're here talking to me in this room. And I began to talk to him about the Lord. And I told him, I, said, I told him straight out, I said, they don't think you're probably not getting off this bed. This is probably it for you. And I, and I talked to him about the things that he, had, that he had been taught and the things that he knew and the things his mom had talked to him. And then I told him, I said, uh, so, and I, I, let, I went through like leading someone to the Lord, even though he was there unconscious and not moving. And at the, the, the moment I said something to him about why wouldn't he just receive the Lord and make everything right, he began to start making noises and squeezing my hand. And moved his hand. And his mom got to see that and has held on to that even from that day till now as her sign from the Lord that he received God before he left, uh, left this place. And see, all those trips she made to the drug house, all those nights of crying, all those times her brothers and sisters had told him that he was just a sorry piece of trash, that she should just write him off and leave him off. Uh, all those times, I mean bad stuff. I even had one uncle that uh, refused to go in and eat at the restaurant because he was there, because he came with her, 
because he was so disgusted with what he had put his sister, you know, what he's been putting my sister through. I mean, it was a lot of pain, heartache, embarrassment, shame, financial strain, but it was worth it. Every bit of it was worth it. See, we need that endurance as parents to not always see our kids as they are, but to be able to see them as what they can and will become by the grace of God. Even if it's at the very end, they're worth it. Parenting's not easy, but we can do it by the grace of God. We can do the work produced by faith. We can perform the labor prompted by love, and we can have the endurance inspired by hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And see, so on this special day, we want to honor all the parents and all the mothers everywhere for the work that you do. It's not forgotten. It's remembered. Even years and years later, everything that you do, it's impacting generations. It's making a difference. It's not just some small little thing. It's big. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. And so we say thank you for all of your labor of love that you've given to us and for us and for the generations to come. And we thank the Lord Jesus Christ for giving you the hope and the endurance to never give up and to be the moms that he's called you to be. So God, we just thank you for every mother in this house today, Lord. Every spiritual mother, every grandmother, every spiritual grandmother, Lord, all that they've done for us through their faith, through their endurance, Lord, through their love. God, we just bless each and every one of these powerful daughters of you, God. Lord, we thank you for their sacrifice. We thank you for, Lord, we, we thank you for every time that you place us on their hearts and they put us before you. We thank you for every uh, danger and disaster that's been diverted from the prayers of our moms. We thank you for every blessing that's come upon us, God. We thank you for the special fight that's inside each and every one of them, not only for their children, God, but for your children. We thank you for their heart for the church, God. We thank you for their heart for others, Lord. And God, we just want to bless each and every one this morning. Lord, we, will, we don't know what we would do without, without the mothers of the church, Lord, and our families, God. We thank you that they draw people together and that they bring unity, God. We thank you, Lord, that they're important to the kingdom and they're important to us, God. And we just ask you to just pour out a special blessing upon each and every one. Give them even more faith and even more strength, God, and endurance, God. Lord, that you would just keep them, Lord, and that you would just heal every single one from head to toe. God, I pray that they would continue to let others know how wanted they are, how needed they are to the family of God. And I thank you for how special they've made so many feel, spreading your love and your care. And God, we just say on this Mother's Day, we thank you for every mom. Lord, we just pray that they continue to do the good work. Lord, that they would realize how important it is, how powerful it is, how big it is to the kingdom of God, and how worth it it all is. Lord, we thank you for the reward that each and every one of them are going to see when they see you face to face. And God, we just honor them today with all that we are, and we just bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, 
We hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.